Welcome to Well Said, a podcast produced by the Well Community Church and hosted by Mary Graham and Tori Mayo. Our desire is to equip you with the knowledge and confidence to apply a biblical perspective to current topics while building and strengthening connections around our church. Join us as we explore how our faith intersects with the world around us. Yo. I'm back. I welcome back. It's good to have you back. Hey, everybody. For real. How y'all doing? <laughs> it is good to have you back. Also, I'd like to acknowledge before we even start, I'm sick if you can't hear it. Uh, and so, you know, when you're a church planner, you just got to work through sickness. And You do. But my, is my nose red? No, actually. It's not. Okay, I praise God. So. I thought I was repping the holiday season, <laughs> you know, trying to be Rudolph in here. <laughs> I know. Okay, so you're, I'm assuming this, but you don't put up Christmas decorations oh before my gosh. Thanksgiving, do no, you? No, no, no. All right, we are in like company. Yes, we have an agreement thank you. Good. today. I Hallelujah. thought it was going to be an argument. <laughs> yes, praise God. I actually usually put up Christmas decorations during the Michigan OU game. Ah, it's that's cool. It's usually on TV and that's what I'm usually watching. So That's good. That's good. It should be a good game this year. I hope so. They're trying to tarnish our yep. dominant team, but I won't get into that. Yeah, well, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> Carlos, thank you. He did a great job mm. last week. That was a fantastic episode. He did phenomenal. If you real. missed it, go back and listen. It was really good. I was um, encouraged. Yeah. But I have an icebreaker for you today Ready. that I hope you won't complain about. Wait, wait, wait. I thought you were going to do the survey thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got it. <laughs> yeah, guys. My brain... Uh, Thank you all for your grace and not being there last week. My family emergency is technically still going on. And so my brain's a little fuzzy. So if I miss some details, please be gracious. But yes, the survey is still live at um, thewell.cm backslash said. We would love to make season two actually something that you all want to listen to. Things that you want to hear talked about. Get some really great feedback to make it exactly what you want. And so please take the survey. I've taken it like four times as we were like figuring out the kinks and making sure this question was worded right and blah, 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 blah. And it really takes you less than five minutes. And you could win Merit gift card. If My you take wife it. So. asked me a bunch of questions about the podcast, answered for me, but then put her name because she just wanted the Merit <laughs> gift card. That shows you the type of household yeah, I'm in. Yeah, please don't cheat though because we really do need the data to yes. be good. She really just wanted that Merit card. <laughs> yeah, because we are going to do a season two. Yes. So we want to make it quality and great. But yeah. All right. You'll have to tell me what you think about this icebreaker today. I'm ready. I actually saw it beforehand. Yeah. Praise God. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what is your favorite Old Testament name of God? Um, can you go first? Because I have to pull up something. Okay. I have my answer, but I want to pull All something right. up. So All you right. go first. Yeah. So my favorite Old Testament name of God comes from Genesis 16, 13. And that's when Hagar has been banished. She's out in the wilderness. Her kid's about to die. And the Lord shows up. Jesus shows up and meets her. And she names him the God who sees me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like that has just been one of the most comforting things about God. In almost every negative season, that's the God that I hear of and see of. Mm. In the middle of all the chaos, right? God sees me little old me and desires to care and to meet me where I am and to walk me out of things. And Mm. so I've very uh, many, many times thought about tattooing it on my body. This season again of difficulties keeps bringing it back up. Mm. And so 
I'm now probably 80% sure that I might show up here one day with a dad. Come on. <laughs> I want to see Tad so, and Mary. Don't tell my daddy. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, okay. So, my, you know, wait, about uh, the God who sees, Elrod, it's actually the only. Uh, time that a human mm-hmm. names God in the scriptures. And a woman, mind you. And that. it's a Gentile woman yep. at that. So yep. that's really cool. It's fire. Seeing God's redemption there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my uh, is Jehovah uh, Tisikanu, uh, which means the Lord is our righteousness. Mm. Um, man, Charles Spurgeon has this thing. I'm going to read what he said about this name in particular. So it's Yahweh, our righteousness. Tisikanu is just the Hebrew word righteousness. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so talking about God, uh, he says, um, this is so good. Not Adam, when he walked in Eden's bowers, was more accepted than you are, not more pleasing to the eye of the all-judging, the sin-hating God than you are if clothed in Jesus's righteousness and sprinkled with his blood. You have a better righteousness than Adam had. He had a human righteousness. Your garments are divine. He had a robe complete, it is true, but the earth had woven it. You have a garment as complete, but heaven has made it for you to wear. Go up and down the strength of this great truth and boast exceedingly and glory in your God. And let this be on the top and summit of your head and soul, Jehovah, the Lord, our righteousness. He goes on to say uh, that this robe of righteousness is uh, comparable to the prodigal son. It's the best robe. Hmm. Uh, that when I wear a better robe than angels have, uh, fully they have not the best, but I, poor prodigal, one clothed in rage, companion of the nobility of style, I fresh from the husk that swine do eat, am nevertheless clothed in the best robe, so I am accepted in the beloved. Moreover, it is an everlasting righteousness. Oh, that is perhaps the fairest point of it, that the robe will never be worn out, no thread of it shall ever give away. It shall never hang on the tatters of this sinner's back. He shall live even though it were my own poor life. The robe shall be as if it was woven yesterday. And he goes on talking about mm. this robe of righteousness. It's so good, yo. Goodness so, gracious. Yeah. I was trying I so it. hard not to make too many like, mm, mm, oh, during that so people could yes. listen. But that it was, was good, a bad, wow. Yeah, yeah, I love that. That was fire. Yeah, so I love that idea. The Lord is our righteousness. Interesting. I liked the idea of it being clothed, which yeah. would be fun to talk about sometime. Uh, wow. <laughs> Look at that little tease that nobody knows why it's a tease. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was good. Oh, so good. That caused my heart to worship. Praise God. Just a little bit today. So thank Praise you, God. friend. All right. What are we talking about today? We're talking about why the heck is it important for us to gather on Sundays? Yes. Why is we make this such a big emphasis? Why does it even matter? You know, a lot of people are like, well, I I love Jesus and I hang out with people and I read my Bible. And so I, I'm i good. Yeah. I'm good. The answer is no. No, you ain't. Not at all. <laughs> so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. So. Love it. Um, yeah. There's this idea here that the Lord, I want to start with this. In Hebrews chapter two, which you probably know where I'm going. I'm not stealing a verse from you, am I? Because this is a very big so. like worship verse. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I picked many, so it won't. I mean, you know, Hebrews two, uh, talking about um, this is actually Christ. So there's this idea that the New Testament authors very clearly had 
that they wrote. And it's one of those ideas, it's really hard to see if you're not familiar with the context of what's happening. But the idea was that when we gather together, what happens is physically we're gathering together, but spiritually the angels are also gathering with us. Hmm. And we start leading people in worship, like you and I are leading humans in worship. Mm -hmm. But then Christ also comes amongst us in his omnipresence. So Mm -hmm. he's everywhere at once amongst all worship gatherers at once. You see this in things like in the book of Revelation where he's walking amongst the lampstands, which represents the churches. He's like walking amongst all of them at the same time. So Christ is amongst us. And in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12, it says this. It says, this is why he is not ashamed to call them us brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Mm. Now, it sounds like this is us talking, but this is actually Jesus telling of his and our name Mm. in the midst of the angels, literally leading them into worship. And so when we gather together, it's mm. not just this physical thing that's happening where we're like, oh, I know more about God. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a piece of it as well. But also we're supposed to be recognizing that Jesus is leading worship mm. amongst us. And there's something spiritually happening where he's literally leading the angels, yeah. telling of us and of himself. Mm. It's this wild divine thing that because we don't think in the spiritual very often, I think we miss we that miss reality. Yeah. But it's like, yo, like the Lord is moving amongst us. I love that. I think that's such a great, that's the perfect start, right? Because I think we undervalue so much because it becomes ritualistic if you've engaged with the church or if you're not a part of the church, it's crazy and weird and cultish seeming. Correct. But like when we think about what's actually happening, that's wild. Yeah, yes. That's crazy and that's wild. And I think we also, we do get sometimes, I think, disconnected between you know, what we see in scripture about the people of God gathering and what we actually see real because Mm. it looks different or it feels different. We don't break it down. We think about the word and what's happening as just like we're studying this and we're figuring it out. But there's so many layers to that that I think we miss. Like the call for God's people to be together has been from page one all the way through to the very end. And we've done a lot of breakdowns of doing that. And we could have done that with this, right? This conversation could be 18 episodes, but we're not gonna do that, don't worry. But it's basically a call for us to be in God's presence, a call for us to remember, to hope, and to respond. And that, whether it's New Testament or Old Testament, that's kind of what we're seeing here. Um, A couple of books that I really like that help talk about worship specifically, which is kind of how we're gonna like tease this. Tori's got preaching and some of the specific you know, aspects of the gathering. And then I'm going to kind of throw in the singing and the worship side, which I think makes sense if you know us or have been in our church for a time. Um, But a book called Rhythms of Grace, he says this, he says, worship in Israel. So, right, let's look at Old Testament. How does Old Testament relate to today? How does new? Like worship in Eden is always and only participation in God's own glorious and glory sharing life. Moreover, after the fall, true worship is always participating in God's redemptive work. Mm. It's a heart-touched reality wherein God promises to redeem, and Israel and faithful believing response to those promises participated in that redemptive work through the sacrificial system, right? So we look at Old Testament, we think about the sacrifices, the altars, the priests. Well, we have pastors, we have Jesus, as you just read. And honestly, we even have our own element of sacrifice, 
when we think about communion in the light, which we'll get to. Um, Another quote he says is, just as the people of Israel gathered to renew their covenant with God, so we Christians, so New Testament forward, gather to renew the covenant that God has made with us in Christ. Christian worship is like covenant renewal in which the gathering reaffirms the vows made with God in Christ. And in worship service, we renew the promises we made and often failed to keep to God. And we hear again the promises of God has and kept in Christ. And we can't do that anywhere else. Correct. Like we can't do that with just two people. Like there is something that happens as you were reading in Hebrews that was so perfect that is specific to the call of people to gather. And that has been true across scripture. Yeah. So we have to pay attention to it. That's so good, Joe, because thinking about the reality, I think sometimes we can get lost in the simplicity of the gathering because mm. it feels so basic. It feels so repetitive. Mm-hmm. It feels so like we're doing the same thing each week and miss even the repetitive call in the Old Testament mm-hmm. to continually point to the same type of thing that we need for our souls. It's like, it's so important as we think about what God is calling us into. Mm-hmm. I think it's really hard to even communicate the fullness of what's happening, which is why I wanted to start with that lofty spiritual oh, yeah, thing. Yeah. And then you're looking in the Old Testament and you're like, okay, wait, there's all of these systems that are oh set gosh, up we could talk about to try to coordinate worship ugh, and to try to, right? And so it's like, okay, I, I think about the reality of like, uh, let me actually pose it as a question. Um, why is it that around the world, there are people that are literally dying like being martyred, being killed. Mm -hmm. They are physically, literally being killed, putting themselves at risk week in and week out of getting caught and Mm -hmm. killed. And they're trying to gather. They're literally fighting to be able to Mm -hmm. gather together. Why is it that they recognize the reality? And here's what I often think it is. Um, You know how when you like don't eat for a long time, like maybe you're fasting or maybe you're just like out working really hard all day. Mm -hmm. And then you eat like, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I mean, it could be as plain as day and it tastes like you're eating like a filet mignon, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like you're recognizing the value, the importance Mm. of it because you haven't eaten in a while. And I think that people who are a little bit more starved for what's happening in the gathering, the tastes are more full. Hmm. Whereas for us, we're eating, we're kind of overeating in some ways, I would say even at times. We have information all day. We have the scriptures, we have fellowship, we have groups, we have classes, we have training, we're eating, eating, eating. And when you do that, and then you eat again, like it's Thanksgiving this upcoming week, right? It's like literally when you eat that again, it's like it just doesn't taste as good as when yeah. you're hungry. Yeah. And so it's like why are they literally trying to die to be able to gather? Because it's so formative in ways that we don't even realize. Yes. God's not going to command something that isn't going to bring about his glory in and through us. And he commands this continually. Mm-hmm. So there must be more than just like, a little bit of information transfer, a little bit of heart, like, oh, that felt good. A little mm-hmm, bit, like mm-hmm. there must be soul changing things that are happening. And to your point about the gathering, it's just like diversity where it's like, you can't do this with two people. You said there at the end, because it's like, no, you literally need the multitude of saints yes. to display the fullness of God mm-hmm. in the same way that we would honor diversity and go, hey, each of us are reflecting something different about God. Well, in the gathering, that's true as well. You can only see God in the way that God has designed you to be able to see him. I need you. Mm -hmm. We need, Mm -hmm. and the more people we have, the more we're able to see God, which is why heaven is so beautiful because now it's every redeemed saint ever 
all of us showing something a little bit different about God for us to get the full picture of him. Like that's part of what's happening when we're gathering. Mm-hmm. It just, it, I honestly, it's like, it's really hard to maybe overstate. Mm. And I think because in America, the gathering has focused so much on like size and growth. Mm, we've downplayed it and point. we've gone, hey, no, 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 we're not trying to grow. So let us not put a lot of emphasis on it. But it's really clear scripturally. And once again, people are literally being killed to gather together. Yeah. It's really clear that something is happening. So I think in our effort to say, hey, we're not after growth, we've downplayed the importance of the gathering. Instead of just saying, hey, the gathering is so wildly important. And honestly, the more people that are there, the better, because the more we see Jesus. Mm-hmm. But that's not what we're after. We're after his glory. Like some better comparable thing, I think, would be really yeah. healthy there. So yeah, I just think it's so yeah. important. I think that's such a good point in so many ways. And, you know, we miss this understanding of like, I totally lost my train of thought. What was I going to say? I don't Uh, know. All the gathering, the people. The people. people, All of us, we're all needed together. We're all needed together. I don't know, whatever. That's good. <laughs> it looked like it was really good. It I was. was ready for it. Lost it. I was trying to hold it where you're talking and not forget about it. Maybe the Lord will bring it up or maybe it wasn't needed, but it is so formative. I think uh-huh. that's what I was thinking. Like we don't think about the habits. That's what it is. We don't think about the habits that we do, the things we do repetitively, how mm. they shape us. Yes. And that is some of why I believe God calls us to do it when we do it and if we think about it and recognize all that it is supposed to be for mm. our lives, mm. like food, you know, we we miss out on what it teaches us, right? Like we're a habit-formed people. Yeah. So participating in these things week after week after week inform our beliefs about God, our beliefs about the church, our beliefs about one another. Um, and, you know, worship is so much of that, that shapes that. Uh, in a lot of my books and reading and time, I, they sum up kind of worship in general as like one thing, they, they call it worship one, two, three. So if we think about worship in terms of how it can shape us, worship has one object mm. that is the Trinitarian God. So, right, we're always shaping our praise, all of that to... Directed towards him. Directed towards him. It's two context, right? It's gathered and it's scattered. Mm. So... We are meeting together on Sundays and we are scattered Mm. amongst the world throughout the week. Both are elements of worshiping and living our lives to the one object. And both of those scattered and gathered feed one another. Our worship together fuels the scattered. Our discipleship and interaction with the world fuels our shaping of going back. And then there's three audiences. When we talk about worship, we have basically God, who's Mm -hmm. the object and the witness. We have ourselves and one another. So when we're gathered, being able to preach to one another in the world in darkness. Yeah, yeah. And so how, if we think about it, even in just those three forms, do we not understand that it's really teaching us things about every single aspect of our lives because of the object, because of the audience, and because of the context in which we worship. And so we've got to put more emphasis on the importance of not just showing up, Mm. but actually how we participate. I'm sure we'll mention this and talk about this in different ways, but we don't go to a gathering to receive. Yeah, a thousand percent, yeah. We go to participate. And in participation, we receive, but we have to quit just thinking about showing up. It's not about just getting more people in. It's not about kind of, you're saying the growth and the numbers, like 
We go to participate in what is happening, which is, I think, some of what we're trying to uncover. Um, you have a really good thought about worship leaders being dietitians. Yes. Uh, or maybe it's, it's your thought with other thoughts added into all I'm that. stealing it from someone. <laughs> yes. I'm going to share so, a, a, a great analogy. Yeah, g- give, me, give me that thought because I think it's really helpful even to what you're saying right yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. So to continue thinking about like how the gathering actually forms us, right? That's such an important part of why God calls us to do this. In a book called uh, The Worship pastor by Zach Hicks, he uses this amazing analogy where he talks about actual worship leading and worship leaders acting as dietitians. So if we think about, and I'm just going to kind of read a few notes here so I don't miss some of his analogies, but if studying theology is like a dietitian learning about food, then studying how worship (laughs) theologizes is like a dietitian learning how to administer meal plans, Mm. right? So we are digesting what we are hearing, participating in. So he talks about how a gathering has different food groups, quote unquote, things like sermon and sacrament structure, and even the songs we sing. So the sermon and the sacrament really teach us about knowing God through the encounters, like preaching, baptism, the Lord's Supper. We learn things about God and how we relate to him by experiencing these events. Other food groups, structure, how our songs are actually ordered and all of the liturgical elements, which I'd love for us to define the word liturgy here when we talk about the order and how we go about that really shape, how we feel about that, right? If it's Christ-centered or if it's not, we feel that in what we're digesting. And if we're not putting it towards Christ, it's literally poisoning us, right? If we don't have the right food groups, we're not nourishing our body in the right way. Yeah. I would maybe even, um, because I think that we hear poison and we automatically think of like aggressive false teachers, Mm. really easy to spot. I think about it more like eating a bag of Cheetos. Mm -hmm. It's like actually that church gathering that isn't Christ-centered, but that is still still a gathering. You're still getting some? It actually tastes really good. Yeah. It actually, so like Paul talks about like Mm -hmm. people having itching ears, like wanting to hear what they want to hear, right? And so it's like, okay, um, Cheetos, they're totally fine per se, but we all know they're not actually real food. They will not sustain you. They will not sustain you. That will poison you. If that's all you eat, Mm -hmm. then slowly but surely Mm -hmm. you will end up with cancer when you're 50 and you're not going to know where it came from. Right. But if that's all you've been eating is Cheetos, then a dietitian would be able to zoom out and go, hey, bro, like this is the reason why you finna die. Yeah. Because you've only been eating Cheetos. So it's not just the clear poison where it's like arsenic, where it's like, oh, I'm about to die right now. Sometimes it can be. Sometimes it can be. Very much so. Very much so. Toxic leaders, we've all experienced or a seen the stories. And that is true. Percent. But you're right. It's that slow. Yeah. Right? We have an unhealthy eating habit 20 years down the road. We realize we have all of these problems with our beliefs about God, with our belief about church, mm. our belief about Christians. I think that's where a lot of unbeknownst church hurt can actually come from, is from a bad diet, essentially produced by the church itself. Um, And man, one of the huge ways, oh gosh, I love the way he talks about songs Mm. as part of the food group. He says, our songs are nothing more and nothing less than theology inflamed engulfing our hearts. It's one of the most holistic ways we experience theology because song summons our whole self, our mind, our body, our soul, intellects with all of our emotions. It's theology on slow release that sticks and haunts and preaches to us. 
this. <laughs> that's good. Right? Theology on slow release. That's actually really right? good. Right? Like that's yeah. the, that's what, and so it's like the question is like, what are we preaching in yeah. our songs? Like what are we telling people every aspect of a gathering from the liturgical elements of starting with a call to worship or doing where we do announcements, how we do hosting, where communion is placed, even the benediction at the end. I'm sure we'll talk about how ours is structured and why we do it that way and whatnot. But like that is all teaching about God. It's not just the sermon. And I think some of us think that, but all of it has to work together to create a full picture of receiving and learning and growing in the Lord because it shapes us. Totally. It shapes every aspect of our life. Real quick, define uh, liturgy. Yeah. So liturgy comes from two Greek words that kind of mean like a public work Mm -hmm. or like the work of people. And so it's often used to describe what the congregation or the gathering of God's people is doing. Very basic. That's great. I was in the middle of drinking. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. But when we think about that, that's like literally what we're doing. So the song, like the parts where we do worship or the call to worship, the, you know, the hosting moment, the giving moment, the preaching moment, the communion, all of that we would, we would call, I would say liturgical elements that we choose to have in the gathering. A thousand percent. And you just named a bunch of them. Okay. So... You have fellowship that mm-hmm. happens that cannot happen one-on-one yep. like, or by yourself. Yep. You have serving. Like there are people that serve and we should be serving in some way, shape, or form mm-hmm. as even just a, a practical expression to ourselves that God is worthy of our hands, of our mouths, of our money, of our yeah. time, of our all these things. So you have serving. Uh, you have giving, right, which is— kind of synonymous at times, but thinking particularly about our possessions. Mm -hmm. And we even call that generous worship at the well. That's not by accident. Exactly. We purposefully use that language to teach and to preach to our souls what we're actually doing exactly. when we give. Exactly. To and that's where even God. words matter, right? Yes. It's like, yes, no, we're do. not just, uh, God doesn't need this. This is an act of worship mm-hmm. to God to say, hey, I want to, like, you are worthy of this, of everything. Uh, you have worship in terms of singing, which we often think about. Mm-hmm. You also have worship in terms of listening, yes. which is often the word preach. With both, both of those carry an element of worship, which I think is really important. Um, you have the word, obviously, like read, right? We do scripture reading. We have corporate prayers, so mm-hmm. we pray together holistically. Once again, you cannot do that one-on-one. Uh you have God's presence. God promised that, hey, mm-hmm. we're two or three are gathered, so I will be also. Yes. That is not a promise individually. Now, God does clearly meet with us individually, right. and we see that throughout the Scripture. But there's a promise that when we gather, the promise is mm-hmm. not, hey, when when you're one-on-one, I will meet with you. That does happen. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. But we know that But when there are more than two or three witnesses, in some ways, like God promises to be there. Which should indicate to us that something is different. The importance. And the importance because he had to mention it twice. Yes, exactly. Or in a different way, which should indicate to our brains, ding, 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 there's something different. Oh, God is trying to say something. Yes. You have remembrance. So Mm. things like communion, baptism, all those are acts of remembrance of what God has done. Uh, And they're not just um, ordinances, whereas things you do to be obedient, Mm -hmm. there's sacraments in the midst of them. Meaning God meets us with special Mm -hmm. grace, not saving grace, but special grace. There is another grace that is given as we do this. Literally, the list could go on and on and on. Mm -hmm. And And there's scriptures to back all of these up. Like I actually have a picture from one of the books that I've read that has like prayer with and for the community. And there's four scriptures. Reading the scriptures, there's like five or six. Preaching, 
serving the community, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, giving an opportunity. There is evidence throughout the Bible to back up every single thing that we do in a gathering. It is not just, well, this would be nice or this would fit, right? right? There is that connection like we're talking about when we stop and remember and frame things rightly as we enter a gathering to think about that, we recognize the the magnitude really of what we are allowed to participate in. And let me give, you're using dietitian. I talked about like food eating earlier. Mm -hmm. Let me give another food analogy. I think that like often the gathering is a lot like food. Okay. Where, um, what, what did you have for dinner three Wednesdays ago? I have no idea. (laughs) Nobody, nobody listening, watching, nobody remembers this, right? Unless maybe it was a special occasion. Unless it was a special occasion, Mm -hmm. which there are times where you remember special gatherings. Yes. Like God met with you, some worship song, some sermon that was preached, some prayer that was prayed. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Exactly. We'll never forget it. And so it's like, okay. And I can remember literally four or five, six different gatherings where I'm like, man, Something about that. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you do not remember what you ate three Wednesdays ago, three months Wednesday ago. Mm-hmm. There's no way you could recall that. Tuesday, you may September not, 3rd. You may not remember what you Throw ate three days ago, right? Yeah, yeah. But that food that you ate then and the food that you're eating now is sustaining you for mm, life. If you good. chose not to eat three Wednesdays ago, and if you continually missed eating, at some point you would malnourish and you would even die. That's really good. So even though you don't remember the food, you know intuitively that you need the food to survive. Mm-hmm. So you may not remember every gathering that exists, but you should spiritually intuitively know that you need it to survive. Yeah. And the way that you know that is what you just said when we weren't gathering and then all of a sudden we gathered something happened now notice how quick you got used to it though after a few months of it it became repetitive again Mm -hmm. but repetition forms us like you said earlier so in the same way that you eat meals um i've noticed now that because i eat breakfast almost at the exact same time every single day when I don't eat it, like within 20 minutes, my body's like it's like it's trying to digest food that's no longer there. And you get the shakes. Right? Yeah. Isn't that so interesting? I'm literally mm-hmm. training my physical body. So what happens when we train our spiritual body oh, for the same sort of thing, yo? Now, let's pretend that I was in a place that did not provide as much. Let's say that I was impoverished. I did not I was not able to eat as regularly. Mm-hmm. My body would also adjust to that. It would not be as healthy. Yeah. But it would be learning as we're Oh, okay. Like I'm only going to get meals once every 30 hours. I'm going to process this differently. Yeah. I'm going to There's a different way to go about it. It just wouldn't be as healthy. And some of us, we don't gather in healthy ways. Yeah, it's really good. And in the midst of that, we're training our spiritual body to act as if it's malnourished Mm. when God has provided riches on a table, Thanksgiving feast every single week before us. Gosh, that is so convicting. Because it's like when you think, oh, I'm tired and I skip Sunday. Not that I use that as a reason to skip (laughs) Sunday. But like in (laughs) other times in my life, I, I know that that has been the case. If I wasn't as involved or as invested, like... And I'm literally looking at a table feast and saying, nah, I'd rather hurt myself. Yeah. That's what we're saying. Yeah. We're literally saying, I would rather injure my body and my soul than partake in this beautiful feast that you have given. That's what we do when we don't participate and show up to a gathering. That's wild. Now, it's easy to do that physically. Because you literally feel it and know it, right? Yeah. Yeah. This has nothing to do with fasting. 
nor does the corporate gathering, but I'm going to use this as an analogy. Whenever I fast, when I start feeling the hunger pains of Mm -hmm. not eating, I literally just say a really quick prayer. I just say, God, help me to hunger for you the way I hunger for food. Mm. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay, so my body is so used to eating that it's telling me, hey, dog, you need to go eat. I'm hungry. Mm -hmm. I'm about to start eating your muscles if you don't, right? Yeah. It's like, no, body literally is— okay, how do I train my spiritual body, Mm. my soul, Mm -hmm. to respond in the exact same way? That's so good. Yo, okay, yeah. So Yeah, man, would that be a prayer for us all? Yeah. To hear the hunger pains of the gathering. Yeah. The desire to partake in what is offered. I almost started preaching, but did you see me just like catch myself? I did. I'm gonna let you keep going. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah. So... We see that it's habit forming. We see that it's literally shaping everything about us. It literally causes us to be nourished or literally sick. Yeah. So it's very important, like we kind of teased apart, that everything is aligned to Christ because otherwise, even if we are eating, it's a poison to ourselves. Right, 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 right. So there are, um, you know, one of the majority of our time in a gathering is usually spent preaching the word and worshiping. Uh Uh-huh. So from a worship standpoint, there's actually so much that goes into selecting the songs that we sing in order to align the worship that we have rightly, to say the right things, to preach the right things, to feed us in the right way, to go back to um, the dietitian. Well, before I get there, I don't know if y'all know, but when we play in worship songs, we try to follow the gospel narrative. So we think of, there's different ways to think about it. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration, and celebration. I really like to think about it as the three Gs, which is like glory of God, uh, gravity of sin, and grandeur of grace. That's good. And so we start with seeing God, which helps us to rightly see ourselves as sinners, to receive the gospel, and to respond. And our actual songs that we choose for worship follow that alignment and what that allows. To Did y'all know that? Sorry, keep going. I, yeah. I just want to, you know, sometimes you just listen. It's just good to pause. That's so important because what you're trying to do is what you just said. We believe that the best food for you to eat, man does not live by bread alone, but mm-hmm. by every word that comes mm-hmm. from the mouth of God. The scriptures are showing us what the mouth of God is saying. It is that very pattern over mm-hmm. and over and mm-hmm. over and over and over again. So that's what we're trying to feed even in the song selection, Yeah, which you don't know. When I go to a really good restaurant, I don't know all the ingredients that they're using. I just know I'm mm. eating good food. So a, I get I it. I love this food analogy. Right? This works so well. I know. It really did. We didn't even mean to do this either, <laughs> no. by the way. But it's like, you know, like, uh, now, if I really want to learn how to cook like them, mm-hmm. then I'll try to, hey, what ingredients did you use? How yep. much of it? Why did you use more of this than this? So if you're on staff, if you're literally leading worship songs, mm-hmm. then it's good to know how much of salt should we use for this? Yes. How much sugar should we use for this? But for the most part, when you're just eating at a good restaurant, you're just eating good food. But it is really nice sometimes to know, oh, wow, these are fresh ingredients. Oh, wow, these are organic ingredients. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So Mm -hmm. the fact that we're aligning worship to try to align ourselves with the gospel is trying to feed corporately Christ in a way that it's hard for us to remember to do on a day-by-day basis. Sorry, keep going. No, it's good. And I mean, that's what God calls us to do. It's remembering the covenant, remembering the gospel. God in the Old Testament often says, I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That reminds the people of the story and of his promises. I am the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. For us, we have the good news of the gospel and that's the God we know, that's the God we see, it maps over everything and that's the importance of the story. And so when we think about, again, worship is 
leaders being dietitians and giving us, even within that narrative and that story, we want a balanced diet. So we want, if you even tease it down and break it down even more of the importance of different words that we say, you know, we need a theological diet. We want songs that sometimes are very heavy and thinking and like more hymn-like. And then we need other songs that are repetitious to focus on one aspect. You can't have, it's really difficult to have like a whole set with nothing but hymns. There's just so much heady things to digest. It's like eating a six course meal and they're all rich and you already came halfway full. Yeah, yeah, that's good, that's really good. You can't fill it up, you can't fill it in. You're not, you know, the slow release is too much and you're full for too long, right? Other things is we develop different like criteria for food selection. So is it, we actually have to think about things like, is this song actually singable? Or is it too difficult? And even in my line of work, like who on our team can sing this song the Mm. way that it needs to be done, right? I'm not going to sing some super gospel song. I would do it a disservice. Mm. I would do it well, but it needs to be done. Even things like that of like worship oftentimes is also preference and deference. We get to choose things that we want. Like a dietitian will throw in some of their favorite foods, but also give people what they need. And we receiving and participating in worship also have to do the same balance. Sometimes we will have our own preferences met and can worship in what is comfortable to us. And other times we defer to our, the person sitting next to us who worships differently or has a different preference or style. And it's not about, it is not about the song choice. It's about the gospel that should connect people and the worship that we do, not the music. So again, like we're saying, the long-term health, you can't eat Cheetos forever. So we've got to think about even songs that bring longevity or that aren't just a spark in a pan, a flash in a pan, but ones that would feed our souls for a long time due to the language and theology. You know, when we introduce new songs in this current season, we've reviewed it as a worship leading team. So everyone that leads worship kind of gets to say, hey, is there things that stick out? We try to pull out things that are theologically questionable. We've asked you for a couple of them. We've all agreed. We think this is good for our church, our season. And then we give it to the people. And it's like, we even help teach it to y'all. We do it Mm -hmm. for two weeks in a row. We take a week off. We do it again. Don't know if you've ever noticed that, but it's all about trying to give people a balanced diet in terms of theology and all of these different pieces, all pointing to the story of the gospel. It's all about the gospel. The gospel is what should connect people. Yeah. So I love that you, even what you're saying here to go to what we're just got out of as a church in this discipleship series. Mm. First of all, corporate discipleship is happening in the yes. gathering. That's yes. really important to connect. But also what you're saying here, even in the worship selection, what you're trying to hit on is the heart, soul, mind, strength. Mm-hmm. Where a hymn may hit a little bit more on the mind, right? Yeah. Uh, A commissioning song that we try to sing at the end has a little bit more strength. Like, let us do this because of— We language oftentimes. Exactly. Uh, The heart, like the emotions, it's like, no, that's really good. And for some of us, Mm -hmm. you know, Often the the communion song. That's usually where I put that heart, the feels, the personal connection to the story. And it's really important because it's like, okay, you may be more of a heady person, so you like the theology Mm. more than you like the feels. Yeah. But you need both of them in order for you to fully love God. You may be more of a feely person and you have a hard time, like, what does that word even mean? Mm -hmm. But you need to engage your mind. So even in the worship, it's happening there. The same thing happens in the sermon. Absolutely. I could almost— in fact, I'm, I'm actually going to do this. I'm just going to say, copy, paste what Mary said. The same thing is true in the mm. sermon where it's like, okay, we're trying to get this gospel narrative. Here's God. Here's where we are. Here's where Christ comes in. Here's what we do as a response to that. 
we're trying to hit the heart, soul, mind, strength in the midst of yeah. a sermon. A healthy yeah. sermon does that. We're trying to tie back into Christ because the reason why we gather is to be a worshipful people. Here's the deal. Mm-hmm. You were created to worship. You were created as a worshiper. That's literally your identity yes. as a human is that of a worshiper. It is why you worship so many things. It's why you go worship your job, a spouse, a desire for mm-hmm. a spouse, money. It's why, think about all the advertisements that you hear during the week. All of them are trying to get you to worship. Yeah. If you buy this, you will be satisfied, happy, happy joyful, filled. That's an element of worship. It'll You're saying, your hey, yes. I will be full when I receive X and therefore I will give myself to this thing. That is worship right yes. there. Okay, yes. so that means in the gathering, what we're trying to do is reorient our worships. Mm-hmm. So our singing mm-hmm. does that. Our serving, when we say it's not about me, it's actually about somebody else. I love the Lord yes. first and then my neighbor as myself. Yes. So in my serving, I'm serving him and others. We're telling our souls, hey, I know that you've been told throughout the whole week to mm-hmm. worship something else, but I want you to remember what is actually most important. Okay. Then even in the in the sermon, this is yeah. what we're trying to do. It's why I try to do more worship in the sermon mm-hmm. than teaching and education mm-hmm. in the sermon. I think that teaching and education is really helpful. Once again, the mind is a part of how we worship. <laughs> Former teacher here, right? It's like the mind is a part of how we worship. But if that's all that it is, then that's like a class. That's Absolutely. an information transfer, Absolutely. not a worship transfer. And our goal is to get us to remember where our worship needs to lie mm-hmm. in the midst of. Mm-hmm. That's why even I'll be trying to have y'all talk during the sermon. <laughs> Hello, right? <clears throat> As a way to say, hey, I want you to physically be worshiping in this moment. Yeah. Now, some of us, we're not big uh, expressors. So I say that often. That is totally okay. If you talk by writing and taking a bunch of notes and that's your form of worship, Dope. Praise God. That is a good form of worship. But for some of us, it's like, no, we worship expressively. Like we're like, God is good. Like, amen. And it's like, the more we can get our hearts to worship, it's why I physically try to get people to say things sometimes. I'm trying to get you to engage in who the Lord is, right? It's like this, this is what we're gathering for Mm -hmm. is to remember over and over and over again, who God is, Mm -hmm. who we are, how we're supposed to align to God every element of the gathering of the saints should be oriented around that because it's really trying to orient ourselves to worship the right one and the right things again. Yes, I love that reorientation of worship and all the aspects of that because that's what the gospel does, right? Sermon on the Mount, the upside down kingdom. Yeah. We have to turn things upside down to be different from the world and to be who we're actually made to be. And the gospel does that. And we need to remember because we, like Israel, is quite forgetful. And I think sometimes we miss even the danger of that. Psalm 135, um, 15 through 18 says, the idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. They have eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. We become what we worship. So if we miss the opportunity to reorient ourselves, we become what we worship. Yeah. The silver and gold. We become enslaved. I know we talk about spiritual warfare all the time, but it's real. And it's important to understand the gathering and worship is war 
against what would cause us to be not be who we were made to be. Come on, yeah. So. I literally thought... <laughs> I'm like, I want to fight. <laughs> Who? Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> Satan and my flesh. And, um, yeah, let me, let me hit on this too as we kind of like start to rally towards close. I think one of the things that we often miss is the importance of repetition. Um, one of the things that we have in here as a literal question is like, what is the most important part of the gathering? Yeah, give people a second to think about that. Yeah, okay. They've heard everything That's that really we've good. talked about. That's really good. All that we've said and pointed to which part of the gathering do you think is the most important? If it was a little Instagram poll, it would like, you know, have like the- uh-huh. The little comments now scrolling down if we were live. <laughs> you got to pick one of them. Boop, boop, boop. Um, <laughs> I think that we often miss, I would argue, now this is not a strong biblical, I can make honestly a cheap biblical case for this. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it, I think that most people feel like the preaching of the word is mm-hmm. the most important. I personally do not think that that is what is the most important piece of the gathering. I think a lot of people would think the singing of mm-hmm. worship, just because those are where we have the time most spent. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. And that's what we digest throughout the week. Totally, totally. Oftentimes. Yep. I would argue, though, by far the most important point of the gathering is actually communion. Um, I actually agree with you. You do this in remembrance of me. When you gather, so there's something about us gathering. Now, what's happening? Go back to Hebrews. Christ is gathering with us, okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's this really weird thing. I'm not going to get into it today because I don't want you all to think that my theology is all crazy and I'd take too long to explain. Consubstantiation, transubstantiation, (laughs) all these like, what is happening in the body and the blood of Christ? I think that out of fear of... Uh, can, can I give two minutes of history? Catholic Church, uh, they began to say over time that the body and the blood, literally the bread and the wine, literally turned into the physical flesh yes. and the physical blood of Christ. So much so that if as you were eating it, like if you were to take a blood sample, you'd have like two different bloods in you. Like it got to they that, got that level, serious, right? Yes. When the Reformation happened and we went, hey, there's all sorts of wild doctrine happening. There's a, You're now saved if you pay enough money and pray the right prayers. That's not Oops. true. Yeah. So Reformation happens. Yes, praise God. There was a need for mm-hmm. a reform. Uh, I think that we got so fearful of sounding mm. like Catholic that we began to accidentally Push the ruin some of the traditions mm. that started pre-Catholicism, uh, pre like the the kind of uh, concentration yes. of Christianity. Um, so the flesh and the blood, it's like, man, something mysterious is happening there. I do not think that you're just doing this as a physical, mental act of memory. I think that there is something mysterious happening I don't think that you're physically eating flesh. I'm also like, yo, Jesus said 11 times in John chapter five and six, mm-hmm. unless you eat my flesh and blood, you have no part of me. Yeah. Over and over and over yeah. again. Okay. So there's something mysterious happening there at the table. And literally, if you look in Corinthians, Paul's like, look, y'all, this is why some of y'all are sick and dying because you're not doing this right. How do you die from eating a piece of regular bread? Mm-hmm. You, you don't. That means that there's something more significant that's happening at yes. that moment yes. than, than we would like physical to think. bread than we would like to think. Yeah. Because we're Westerners, we don't like the idea of spirituality. Because we don't see it elsewhere. Because we in don't life. see it. You can't test it. There's yes. no science that can yes. like immediately prove we it. We have to understand to believe rather than believe and then understand. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. 
But clearly the Bible thinks, no, something's happening here. So I think that at that moment, there's multiple things happening. You're meeting with the saints at mm-hmm. the table. Mm-hmm. Everybody's eating from the same table is the idea there. And I know at the well, the church is too there's big. Multiple so there's tables. multiple tables, but the idea is the same. You're eating at the same table. We're all in this together. There's one thing that saves us. So there's community mm-hmm. that happens in communion. Mm-hmm. There is a little communion with Christ, yes. that very understanding of like, at that moment, you're interacting with Jesus personally, yeah. like directly, like he's feeding you spiritual food, like you're From an Israelite himself. in the desert, yes. but no longer is it manna and quail, mm. it's him. Yeah, Like that's wild, Joe. And I just think about all these things that are happening in this moment. Uh, we did a sermon on this actually a while back, so as not to keep preaching right now because yeah. we're already over we'll time. We'll link it in the, uh, the show notes. Go, go. If you're like, what is all, what is communion? What's happening there? I think it's really significant. Go back and listen to it again. Um, but you know, I would say that's like the part of the gathering. It's the pinnacle. Yeah, you've heard the gospel preached. You've sung about the gospel. You're now serving you in the gospel. Now you taste and see that the, the Lord gospel is good. Yeah, it's why lost people shouldn't be eating communion. Yes. Okay, I didn't talk about this in the sermon, so let me do this for thirty seconds. All right. Lost people can sit and worship, singing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lost people can even serve, I would say, in certain yeah. areas. Lost yeah. people can for sure sit under the word. Yep. Uh, people who do not know Jesus, they can fellowship with us. Think about, they can give if they want. Mm-hmm. They can do whatever. Every element of the gathering is open to them, except, except for baptism and communion. Yeah. Why is that? Mm. That's because Such there's something more spiritual that's it. happening yeah. than we would care to think. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. it. And I think it's, I mean, yeah, you just preached it. But to add one more element to kind of wrap up what we're saying is like, this has been the story from the beginning. All of us hate Leviticus. Not all of us. <laughs> right? Like, when we dang. talk and it lays out the yeah, sacrificial it's hard to read system. Yeah. And we're like, why? And then the covenant where he cuts all the animals and he's got to walk through them and there's all this bloody mess. And we don't understand the significance of the cost to be with God and receiving communion is understanding the cost, his desire for our presence in what gives us life. It is the gospel partaking, tasting, and seeing is a call from long ago, except God got to eat the sacrifices. Right. Upside down kingdom, we now eat and receive the Yo. sacrifices as the Holy Spirit is within us. I literally just thought about this. I was oh like, my girl, gosh. wait, I've what? Never Let's heard tease that. that out because this That's is just coming really to my mind. Good. But, right? Like, how crazy is that? It almost flips, doesn't it? Dang, I would have to eats, meditate on that for a second. He eats the sacrifice, yeah, right? Yeah, he, yeah. That's why they don't get to have the blood be, or the juicy parts or the fats because that's the goodness to for the, the Lord. Lord. But then we get to... That's a what? wild We need thought, to sit with yo. that. Y'all sit with that too because I don't... That that's just, a season two episode. Whoa. I've never thought about that. I haven't either. That just literally came out as I was processing, but... Jeez, that's really good. What? Dang. Um, for real, I'm not sitting with the that. The gathering is I don't want to say something that's like I don't either. But I was like, wait, what? That's why I was like looking at you, like, oh my gosh, am I saying something yeah, crazy? That's so good. Even just to, like, whoa, yeah. There's crazy things happening. Yes, yes. that is the communion is such an important part to remembering, Dang, shaping, so and forming us as we remember the gospel. Yeah, more than words, yeah. more than whatever. It's a whole body experience. Yep. To engage your mind, knowing what is happening to literally taste and see, to receive in your heart, to believe as you have received, like the whole picture. The heart, soul, mind, strength. Every single part of you partakes in receiving 
That's so good. Crazy. Okay. Communion is great. So now what? What's your, Uh, as we close this, what is, what is your application? Let's both give a different one. Please make the gathering an important part of your life. Yeah. Make it happen. Prioritize it. Be there. Engage. Participate. Don't show up just to receive, but partake in what's God, right? You can go to a meal and show up and sit there and receive by looking and smelling everything. But man, you're not feeding yourself if you're not participating and actually eating and giving and passing a plate to someone else. So show up. That's so good. Yeah. Uh, you hit the personal, I hit the corporate. Uh, encourage others mm-hmm. to be a part and literally encourage them in the gathering. I say this from the stage often. It's why singing, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you may not like it, you may not be a feely person and you think this is super feely and you don't even really understand it. But are you thinking about just yourself and what you like? Or are you thinking about your neighbor mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. struggling, who did not want to be at church, who may not even know the Lord? Yeah. And they're physically watching you. They're not yes. watching Mary on stage. You're supposed to be performing. That's what they see it as. It's they don't not see a it as a worship. Oh, that's why I said it's that. It's not a performance. They yeah. see it as a performance, though. Yes, they do. She's supposed to be, the preacher's supposed to be hype. He's supposed to believe in this. Mm. This person's supposed to be. But the congregant, the person that's just sitting Mm -hmm. there, there's something that happens when you even begin to sing, when you serve others. Just this week, we heard a story of somebody that has, I want to say, never been to a Christian gathering before. Hmm. Uh, Maybe they have been one other time. I can't remember the full story. But they were so impacted because it was raining. Somebody walked out and met them with an umbrella. Hmm. Multiple people said hi to them. Multiple people welcomed them in the congregation. They do not know Jesus. In fact, they follow uh, Muhammad. They are mm. Muslim. They like, and literally, they're being impacted. Like, I've never seen anything By the like invitation. this. So, the gathering also, like, you come ready to receive, but mm-hmm. also come ready to help others receive, yes. to give to them as well. And if we're all doing that, all of us see Jesus yeah. so much more clearly. Yeah, think about those three contexts. So, yeah, that's great. All oh right. Gosh, we could keep going. I really want to tease apart that thing that just oh, That's really that. good. Yeah. Crazy. If y'all get any insights, message us. Yeah, for know. real. So, all right, friend. It's really good to have yeah. you back. For Thank real. Thank you. And that was yeah. well said. It sure was. All right. See Next y'all soon. time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, like, subscribe, and share. For more information, visit our website at www.thewellaustin.com slash podcast.